Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever gonna meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? Had the message growing up of like the key to happiness is getting married and having kids. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my date lab articles in the Washington Post, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers, and welcome to another uplifting episode of Dates and Mates. Welcome to everyone who caught my first Drew Barrymore show episode of the season where we did our new girl chat segment. It was so fun. Or if you saw my blog on ghosting for OkCupid, welcome, welcome. And of course, to all the lovers who have been here, welcome to you too. I don't have to tell you that society's pressure to settle down and do things the traditional way is a tale as old as time. And it's a narrative that often places unwarranted expectations on all of us, but especially on women. And it makes them feel like there's an expiration date looming over their heads. And it's a narrative that tells us that they should find the one by a certain age or that our worth is somehow diminished if we don't have a ring on our finger. But here's the truth. Settling for the wrong person just to fit the mold is never the answer. Love is a journey that shouldn't be rushed a story that unfolds uniquely for all of us. And that's why the word of the week this week is time. You've heard me say that time is one of our most important resources. It's non-renewable. No matter how rich you are, no matter how many people know you, no matter how many dates you have, you're not going to get more time on this planet. So who you choose to spend your time with really matters. But I think our attachment to time can actually keep us stuck. What's the right time to settle down? Isn't it time you met someone? We loved each other, but the timing wasn't right. I'm sure many of you have heard or even said some of these phrases before, but if we set aside time for a moment, <laughs> see what I did there? Set aside time, oh, get it? But if we set aside time, what else does that free us up to focus on? If we acknowledge that all we really have is the moment we're in right now, how does that shift the lens of love for you? Well, in this episode, we're unpacking the societal pressures that push people to settle for less than they deserve. We are discussing the importance of embracing our individual paths, celebrating our independence, and refusing to succumb to the ticking clock that dictates our lives. Our guest today will share her own personal story and shed light on how she has navigated these societal expectations. Together, we'll explore why it's essential to prioritize your own happiness and fulfillment above external pressures. Then at the end of the episode this week, we're swapping out the love lesson and by popular demand, we're bringing back the Dear Demona segment. And now for my special guest. Formerly a Tinder employee, Julia Mazur is the host of the Pretty Much Done podcast, and her content focuses on celebrating singlehood and the freedom and power that comes with it. The joys of living alone, going on solo dates, sleeping in on the weekends, and choosing yourself first. Julia was in the public eye a few months ago after one of her videos went viral. The video showcased a day in her life as a single woman with no kids, and while many women reached out to say that they related to the content, others were critical, aggressive, or even threatening. Julia has overcome it all and continues to put out helpful, empowering, and informative content. So please help me give big smooches to my guest, Julia Mazur. 
Thank you so much. I'm so, oh. so happy to be on. I'm so, so happy to have you. So I know your podcast is pretty much done, but we, girl, we just getting started. So <laughs> first of all, what made you feel like I need to do this podcast? Well, I think some context onto how I grew up would be helpful here. So I grew up in a Russian Jewish household and I, you know, had the message growing up of like the key to happiness is getting married and having kids. My mom had me at 25. She met my dad and got married at 21. And so I had this kind of innate pressure my entire life of get married, have kids. And I felt myself constantly trying to accomplish that goal. And I found myself in these like really like lackluster relationships and not feeling fulfilled and I realized that I was just trying to meet someone to fill that hole inside of myself. And so from relationship to relationship where I was feeling unfulfilled, I went on this really intentional journey of, okay, I am not going to find someone to fill that hole. I'm going to fill that hole myself and figure out who I am so that when I figure out who I am, I can meet a partner at that point. And it's just an addition to my life. And it's not someone to kind of fill this gap within myself. Mm. And then you went viral showcasing a day in the life as a single woman with no kids. Were you expecting the the influx of attention? Were you expecting things to blow up after posting that like it did? No, but you never do, right? So I... I don't know. I haven't <laughs> gone viral yet. <laughs> I mean, I hope it doesn't happen for you in the same ways that it happened for me because it was a scary place to be. But I... So I talk about that pressure a lot um, amongst my friends and on social media that I grew up with of, you know, I'm, I was turning 30 and I was feeling like all my friends have gotten married and had kids. And I wanted to shed light on what my life kind of looks like whenever I go, I'm hard on myself and I feel bad about the fact that I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life. I had gone to the Beyonce concert. I woke up, I got out of bed at 1015 and I thought, okay, what am I going to do with my Saturday? I, I really want to learn how to make shakshuka. And so I made this video about how when I'm like hard on myself about not being where I'm supposed to be in life or society tells me I should be, I realized that I have this effortlessness and ease in my life where I can wake up on a Saturday after having gone to Beyonce with friends and think, I'm going to make a new dish and I'm going to learn how to do that and I'm going to watch TV. And and that is a wonderful you know place to be where you can enjoy your life and th have that perspective shift. And I had never been in that place before. So at first, people were like, yes, I, I feel you. I'm 30. I'm 36 and single. This totally relates to me. And then the next day, I started getting an influx of comments from people because Matt Walsh, this right-wing political commentator, had posted it to his Twitter where he has 2.4 million followers. And people started attacking me and bombarding me, calling me depressed, calling me stupid, talking about my looks, saying that I should be sexually assaulted, just deplorable things. Oh, my God. That is – wow. That is so – disgusting first of all that people i just i can't even girl you hit me with that comment like i should be sexually assaulted like those people just i i don't know how to get them to go away <laughs> but that should be like legislated but on another note <laughs> with that i feel like what you experience 
it it is something that is that should be celebrated and as somebody who now has two kids and is on the other side there are certain benefits in this married with kids mm-hmm. track of course but there are certain deficits and i kind of wish i had taken the time to celebrate what was beautiful about that phase of my life when i was in it because i did what what you did before that point and what so many women did of like everything is a mad dash to make it to the altar. And so much of what we do, what we've been groomed to do is external. And what you're talking about is more is more internal and is just as valid. For sure. Yeah. And and I I I worked so hard to get to a point where I felt where I feel okay with how I'm choosing to live my life, and you know I thought this was just pressure that I was feeling as a Russian Jewish woman, and I thought it was a cultural thing. But seeing these people bombard me in the comments, seeing people like Candace Owens, Matt Walsh talk about how selfish I am, how stupid I am, I realized this is just societal pressure placed on women, and it's it's really harmful to us because we're feeling these pressures and then we meet someone and we're like, okay, I think I'm just going to settle for the next person I meet because people are going to think that I'm some societal leper if I'm not married at 30. Sincerely, educate me here, Julia. Is it selfish to make shakshuka? (laughs) I don't, I'm not, I'm not understanding. What's selfish about that? Yeah, I'm not sure either. And I, I can't see it. And I think what would be selfish is if I had a kid that I didn't want or wasn't ready for. I think that that's selfish to bring someone else into the equation. Um, I personally do want a family one day. Not that that's anyone's business, but I do want one. I just haven't met someone who I feel comfortable having a family with just yet. And I think that I don't want to wallow in self pity while I wait for that person. And I, I I don't want to wait. Like I just I just want to live my life and do things that fulfill me and enrich me while I follow that path and that journey. Yeah, I co-sign everything you just said. I know people may be confused because they're like, she's a dating coach, isn't she? Supposed to always be talking about dating? Shouldn't everyone always be dating? But I I really don't believe that it's always your season for dating, and I do firmly believe that when you invest in yourself and you figure out what makes you happy, like I I remember seeing friends that just bounce from relationship to relationship and thinking you should take some time to figure out what you individually love and what makes you tick. Because if you're just bouncing from relationship to relationship in this never ending quest to live the American dream or whatever it is, that you rob yourself of the opportunity, not just to make shakshuka at 10.15 on a Saturday, but to really figure out you. And then you get into the relationship and years down the line, you're realizing your needs aren't being met because you haven't even really figured out what your needs are. Totally. And thanks for saying that. I, When all this happened, actually, I was also, I had just gone out of a, a relationship. I was dating someone this summer. So I'm I'm in agreement with you that if if you want to meet someone um and you know you want to follow that path and you, you want a relationship you have to put yourself out there and date. I had just put myself out there and dated and it didn't work out with this person for a, a variety of reasons. It wasn't that traumatic, but I was like, "Okay, you did it. You were in this relationship. Take a second, 
stop and figure out what did you learn from that relationship? What are you bringing into the next relationship? Is it time to focus on yourself? And it, and it was for me. Um, and then people came out and said that like my eggs are sand and I'm this is why I'm single. Um, no, no man should ever be with a girl like me who sleeps in until 10 a.m. There's just no room in my heart for those people. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so the summer's over. You're moving into the fall and um, you're doing something you're calling unattached autumn. Yeah. So I am unattaching myself from any outcomes because I feel like for so long in my life, I was going on dating apps to meet my husband and find my happily ever after. I'm unattaching myself from that burden and I am unattaching myself from the dating apps. I'm moving to Austin. I'm doing a home swap. It kind of fell into my laps. I found this short-term rental and um, I reached out to this couple and I asked them if there was flexibility on the price of their the rental and they were like, well, funny enough, we want to move to LA. So in like a holiday-esque thing, I am home swapping with this couple for six months. And while I'm there, I am unattaching myself from any outcomes. I don't know what's what's going to happen in, in Austin. I'm, But I know that because I'm not on the dating apps, it's I'm going to force myself to put myself in situations that I wouldn't normally, you know, do here at home in LA. I'm going to go out to like country bars, which I don't usually do in LA. I'm going to go uh, sit alone at bars or sit alone at restaurants um, take friend dates with people that I wouldn't have met otherwise and just see what happens from there. And I feel like taking that pressure off of myself with dating and feeling like I need to meet these societal standards has just been exhausting for me. And so I'm unattaching myself from all of those burdens. I think that's beautiful. And I think the most exhausting thing about dating today is that there's a lot of people, not my clients, but just people on the apps maybe the people that you meet that are sort of half pregnant with it and mm -hmm. they're doing it for entertainment. They're doing it because society told us like, well, you should be on this never ending quest to hook up or to meet somebody or to get married or whatever. And w when we're like zombie swiping, it's not fulfilling for anyone on either side of the equation, right? Totally. And I felt like when I was swiping, it felt like I was filling a void. So, you know, I grew up overweight. I struggled with my confidence and that's really what I intentionally worked on was like feeling very secure in who I was. But when you're not feeling secure and you some cute guy, you match with him on a dating app, that part of me was like, oh, he's like a cute doctor who likes me. And I found myself just needing and seeking that validation and not using the apps in a way that they should be used to like facilitate introductions to people you wouldn't have met otherwise. And I think for me, it was like stat sheet dating. So I was like, oh, six foot guy, six foot doctor likes me. Bingo. That that filled this hole and void within Julia. And so I'm taking a step away from the apps because I, I got really tired of the stat sheet dating. If you think about when you meet someone in person, you're not garnering all these stats like you would on a, a dating profile. Yeah, completely. Completely. I've been there. Um, <laughs> since you brought up dating apps, you used to work in marketing at Tinder. Yeah. Um, I'll just say it here. I'm not saying this because I'm the OkCupid <laughs> official dating coach, but because I just I because I am a dating coach and I hear all the time what people are thinking and feeling about dating apps. And I think Tinder has has had a little bit of a marketing problem. 
-hmm. I literally was just talking to someone last week and they were like, yeah, well, Tinder is the hookup app. And I was like, aren't we past this? That This is so, you know, 20, 2019, like Tinder's the hookup app and Bumble is for ambitious women and the, the league is for smart people and, you know, just people personifying dating apps. So having been on the other side and worked in marketing, do you agree that this marketing problem of Tinder still exists? Totally. Here's the thing about Tinder. It's the number one dating app, so everybody's on it. When you have everybody on an app, then it's not going to be niche. Everyone is there. Everyone is at that bar. So you saying that it's the hookup app, there are probably some people who want to hook up at that bar. There are probably some people looking for a serious relationship at that bar. There are maybe people who are just looking for friends at that bar. It's how you choose to navigate that dating app that essentially you know, it's like choose your own journey, choose your own adventure. So if if you're getting people reaching out wanting to hook up, unmatch them. If that's mm-hmm. not your intention, unmatch them. And if you want to say your intent, put it on your profile. I don't think it's cringy at all to say you're looking for a serious relationship if that's what you're looking for. I don't think it's desperate. If that is your intent, say that that is your intent. And also, I'm a true believer in like be on all of them. If if some days Tinder's not working for you, get on Hinge. If some days Hinge isn't working for you, get on Bumble. Use them all to your advantage and see who you can meet from all of the apps. Just not all at the same time. That's my one rule. I have my clients, I say two apps at a time, no more, because then it becomes sort of noise and it it puts us back in that space that you and I were talking about. I want to do a, a deeper dive on this, this element of how to use dating apps in the right way if you choose to do it. And I want to talk more about embracing singlehood. We have to take a quick break when we come back. More with Julia Mazur in just a moment. Welcome back. Okay, Julia, we were getting into the nitty gritty talking about dating apps. And I feel like it's the swipe technology and the messaging component that has been sort of, it's like a double-edged sword. Like Tinder brought all the people to dating apps and destigmatized it. Because when I started online dating, like I did not tell people that was how I met my husband. Yeah, We like, no, seriously, for like the first two years, we lied to people. Um, Because it was so embarrassing. But I love that people, people came to the dating apps, but I... I still have trouble with some of the functionality. Makes it almost too easy to make a contact, too hard to make a meaningful connection. I talk a lot about the ick on my podcast, this new thing of like, you get the ick. It's like someone can do something, someone can, you know, laugh the wrong way and you're like, oh, I'm over them I'm or, you know, whatever. But I think that it allows for the ick on, on dating apps, like the ick occurs. Whereas if you think about a friend that you've met and you are forming this friendship and a friend wears a shirt that you don't like or laughs in a, in a weird way, you give them so much more grace than you would some some stranger essentially that you met on a dating app. And so I hate that dating apps have denied us of these meaningful connections. And I also think that there is this added pressure when you meet someone on a dating app that you go on this first date and you're like, I hope he's my husband. I hope he's they're my wife. Like you, it's like so much of this pressure where you rob yourself of getting to know someone 
in that slow way that is human. Like that's how humans get to know one another. Yeah. And it's for me, it's the messaging. And this is why you've probably heard me talk about the texting trap before. It's what happens in that messaging phase where like suddenly you're either trying to to extract all of the information about this person and ask that question like, are you my husband? I've got to know before I invest lipstick and Uber money and, you know, get my hair done and have a new outfit and drive across town. I got to know all these things. It's either that or it's the opposite where it just turns into the mundane and you're talking to each other like you already know each other. Mm-hmm. Hey, good morning. How was your day? Oh, it was fine. I had worked. You. I- I'm so f- sick of it, Julia. Yeah. I'm so sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you then tell your clients to talk less to a first date? Prior to the first date, yes. I yeah. say drive to the first date. And this has been consistent for 17 years. Mm-hmm. I have had essentially the same process. It hasn't changed. The biggest difference is that the functionality of apps changed. So we know a lot less information about somebody when we match than we used to, which I'm not sure is um, better. I'm not sure that's better, but I'm like, what could be in between? I almost want an in-between phase between we matched because you're cute and I'm going to see you tomorrow. Like if there could be a get to know you filtering that's built in within the app. Yeah. If somebody's like who works at dating apps is listening here, don't steal my idea or nothing. (laughs) I know. I know. I think we're at this like really interesting point of dating and dating apps that it's something's got to change because like I have just heard it time and time again right now that people are over the apps. The apps are not doing a good job. I've interviewed matchmakers on my podcast and they say that their business is booming. I used to think that there was a stigma with dating apps. I definitely thought there was a stigma with matchmakers, but people my age are looking to enlist matchmakers and hire them because they're like, I'm doing this all wrong. You just do this for me. I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, definitely pro matchmakers, but not. I'm not pro people just outsourcing the issue. Mm-hmm. because that is still problematic because you get so exhausted because you're doing it wrong and y- y'all, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> there is a way to do this. And this is why I've had this business as long as I've had, because I've created a system that consistently works for people. So yes, you're doing it wrong. But also if you don't fix the things you're doing and you're just paying someone to be like, here, have another option you're kind of just doing dating apps, but with a human. For me, I started therapy and I I actually started because I was dating someone at the time and we did like couples therapy. We did a couple sessions and I was like, no, the problem is not, you know, we don't need therapy. It's probably that we're not a good match. So I, through that, I got into therapy and it was like my first or second session where my therapist posed a question to me. She was like, okay, Julia, like, let's look at all the guys you've dated what is like something that they all have in common? And I was like, I remember I was like racking my brain trying to figure this out. And I was like, I think they're all sarcastic and witty and charming. Like that, I think that's it. And she sat me down in, in the next session. And she was like, no, Julia, the thing that they all have in common is you. You're the one choosing all of these guys. And so I realized that what I had to work on was fixing my picker. She called it my picker. 
because I, I was just exhibiting the same pattern over and over again. If you look, I'm sure that anyone listening, if you think about like all the relationships that didn't work out, they all had these similar qualities that you were attracted to that weren't serving you. And so what I decided to do and how how we kind of frame therapies, I wanted to fill myself, make myself whole, really love myself. And then I have now started to date people who are much more aligned to things that, you know, resemble who I am and who I'm trying to be. I actually have my clients do that. Like, look at the common denominators. Even beyond the common denominator being you, getting under, well, what made me pick this person? You know, and I talk in my forthcoming book, F the Fairy Tale, I talk about how we are attracted to a familiarity mm-hmm. and there's something familiar in those people that, and I, you know, I went through this discovery myself too, where I was like, oh, I'm responding to a feeling that ultimately keeps getting me the same result of being heartbroken and disappointed. So wait, if I want to feel something different, I have to choose differently. <laughs> but I think it's a, a really vital tool for anyone just to have that um, experience of self-discovery. And I feel like whether it's relationships that drive you there or whether it's just your own desire, like, look, we only get to do this once as far as we know. <laughs> we only get to do life once. So why not, like Oprah says, use your life as a class. <laughs> like, why not just wring out all of the experience and self-discovery that we can yeah what why go through life with blinders on like you only get one chance to to do this and that's what I love about your journey and what you've been talking about on the pretty much done podcast is that you're really embracing this phase of the journey that you're in yeah I'm just trying to be more present I'm trying to enjoy it spending your days wishing that you had something else isn't a a way to live. And I think like investing yourself and filling your cup and growing and figuring out who you are is extremely fulfilling as someone who just spent like three years intentionally doing it. Um, So I like, I recommend it to anyone. Thank you so much for joining me, Julia. You can learn more about Julia's work by following her on Instagram at pmdpod. And check out the Pretty Much Done podcast wherever you're listening to Dates and Mates right now. All of the links will be in the show notes. And now, back by popular demand, I bring you Dear Demona. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. Our next question comes to us from a fella named S on Instagram. S says, hi, I love your podcast. And it's been a great resource since I started exploring dating again after a 10-year relationship ended. I have a question. In a month, I have a trip out of the country with a friend who's also a casual partner. We're not compatible in the long term. She's non-monogamous, and I'm not interested in that in my next LTR. I have been dating with the intention of meeting someone who I want to have a committed LTR with. Uh, That's long-term relationship, y'all. I've recently met someone who checks all of my important boxes. We've only been on a couple dates, but I'm thinking ahead a bit and wondering how to handle the situation with the trip. Everything is paid for and I'm committed. But if I'm still seeing this potential partner, I'm not sure how to address the situation. I don't want to lie either directly or by omission, but I also worry about sabotaging things. On the other hand, 
I'd be letting my friend down and throwing away a significant amount of money if I skipped the trip. What's your advice? So we never want to put the dating cart before the relationship horse or I don't know, pick your analogy for that. So I try not to get too far ahead. Like, all right, we're a month in, but let's do a little bit of dating math. You've been on a couple of dates with this person. So let's say a couple dates, you mean maybe two, maybe three. And that may have spanned two weeks, possibly three weeks. So we're still in the very early phases. And I know you said this person checks your important boxes. I, I'm just going to call you on the box checking. <laughs> I'm going to check you on the checking because I would like to reframe that into they share my values, my top three important values or goals for the future rather than I, I mean, I don't know what's in these boxes, so I don't want to judge, but make sure that we're focusing on the right things in the boxes. But we don't know. She hasn't filled out her evaluation form at the end of the course yet, right? <laughs> so we don't know what she's thinking about the relationship. So I don't want to get too ahead and make too many assumptions. And I want to consider that the person that you've already committed to going on this trip with is someone that you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want to upset them. And you're about a month out from this trip happening. So here's where the math comes in. I think it's a little soon to pull the plug on the trip when you don't know where this new relationship is headed. But I feel like you've got to give this other person ample time to figure out if they want to even go on this trip with you anymore or if it's going to be appropriate for you while you're dating the other person. And when I do that calculation, I think you got about a week, maybe two, to make this decision. Now, if you do find that this relationship is heading in a serious direction and you get verifiable proof that she is on the same page, not like, well, I feel like she checks my boxes and she asked to see me again and it feels like it's going somewhere. Like verifiable information. I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm taking my profile down if you met online or like I'm just focusing on dating you. Remember, we want to start with a personal share first. Like this is how I'm feeling. I'm totally into this. I, I want to know where you're at. And then we pause and we wait and see what the other person has to say. If you hear back or if she initiates this, it's it's on. <laughs> we are doing this. I do not see how you can in good faith go on that trip. And I know you've already invested money, but when you think of it in terms of what are you potentially giving away? Money, it's kind of like the opposite of time. Like money is just, um, money is a fleeting resource, right? It comes and it goes. The time is the resource that is non-renewable. And the love that someone could give you, the relationship you could build with someone is worth way more than whatever you spent on that trip. And chances are you can at least get a credit. You can get some of that money back. Look, S, if you and I were dating, even if it was like six weeks and you're like, oh, by the way, I am going to take a trip out of the country with my F buddy but don't worry, it's going to be cool. Oh, my my non-monogamous F buddy who probably like doesn't 
care if I'm dating other people because she's probably dating other people. So the expectation is probably that she thinks we're going to hook up. But we're but it, don't worry, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be like, no, sir, it is not. And that's pretty much the end of the road here. That you have not spent enough time building trust. You've not invested enough yourself yet to, I think, to hold that boundary even. Like, if you've only been dating somebody a few weeks, you don't know where it's headed. That's a lot to ask of you to be like, I'm going to be in a hotel room with this person, but we'll, we'll put a, an invisible barrier between the two of us and nothing's going to happen. That's just putting yourself in a situation where the wrong choice is the easiest choice, right? So I say set yourself up for success. And it's better to establish the boundaries before you're put in this situation where, you know, things can go any direction. You know what I'm saying? We want to plan and prepare for what is a likely scenario you're going to encounter. My feeling is it's just a trip. And you said you want a long-term monogamous relationship. And if you think, if you really think, S, that you have a bird in hand, I would not throw it all away for a momentary adventure, a possible casual fling, or even just a trip that you take that plants a seed of doubt in that other person's head. Thanks for listening, us. Thanks for trusting dates and mates. Well, my friends, this was episode 481 of Dates and Mates. I know I say this every week, but seriously, ratings, reviews, and sharing episodes are the small things that you can do to keep this show going for another 11 seasons. So please take two minutes. It'll take you two minutes, maybe even less if you're a fast typer. Take two minutes to leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell everyone what you love about the show, why you listen, and your favorite episode. And then just share dates and mates with a friend. Like literally, just go into your phone, share episode, tell your bestie they should be listening to dates and mates. We have an all Dear Demona episode coming up. I'd love to hear your love dilemmas. The DMs are open at Demona Hoffman on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Or better yet, call me maybe. You can leave me a voicemail or send me a text at 424-246-6255. We love the written questions, but we love hearing your voice memos even more. We will be back again next Tuesday, like clockwork, with more dating news you can use. Until next week. I wish you happy dating.